Want to shift someone's destiny? Calling all CPAs, a.k.a. community and corporate partners in action. Become a community liaison or a corporate sponsor for our Give Hope Drives for the homeless and needy families. Donate tax-deductible funds, food, blankets, and books. Sponsor and serve our monthly luncheon, mentor a youth, or go on a foreign mission and make a difference. Contact our Soaring with Eagles radio show host, Crystal, at your team at buildthatbiz.com or visit our nonprofit page at fullcolormovement.com. Welcome to Soaring with Eagles with your host, Crystal Richardson, a.k.a. Sergeant K. Each week, we hear from Crystal and her successful guests as they share their triumphs, tragedies, tools, and secrets for living a full life complete with financial freedom laced with fun and fulfillment. Crystal takes a controversial and edgy approach to unveil interesting facts about millionaires, billionaires, and game changers, and how they have accomplished life success while giving back. Now, here is Crystal Richardson. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Crystal Richardson. Welcome back to another edition of Soaring with Eagles. We're so happy to be with you again today. And it's been a really, really full week, right? We've had like a lot going on just in our lives personally, as well as on this show. So I would like to welcome for today's episode, uh, Dr. Victoria. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Crystal. (laughs) So where are you uh, calling in from? I am in Waukesha, Wisconsin, just west of Milwaukee, which most people go, well, where is that really? Well, we're 90 miles north of Chicago. So that kind of gives people a better perspective. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, welcome. And thank you for being on today. And so you and I have had like a number of conversations about this particular topic. So I'm really excited for our listening audience today to be able to get some really great information. And we do have people that listen from all over the world. Uh, Just this past week, um, I think it was uh, Finland again, Spain, China, and Germany, a few other, oh, Russia as well. There were a number of people from various places listening in. And so this week, Uh, We are talking about hormones and balance and aging gracefully, right? And so this is something that women all over the world can use this information. So I'm really excited to have you share with us today. Oh, thank you. And my pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. I'll just kind of dive right in. You know, everybody hears the words hormone and hormone replacement, and they think, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Either hormones are bad for you, which is what your doctor may tell you, or your best friend may tell you, or they may say, well, according to research, you shouldn't take hormone. Your own Mm -hmm. doctor may actually throw that line at you. But really, there's a lot of misinformation, disinformation. So I want to dispel some of the myths and put forth some of the truths and the research that says hormone is really good for us. Okay. And the first thought is, oh, okay, Doc, what are you drinking? You know, it's Friday afternoon. So really, come on, you know, fess up. What's, what's the deal here? Well, the biggest thing I want to tell people is our hormones are a part of us. We go through puberty and our ovaries make our hormones for us. So if they are so good for us during our years where we're having our babies and our families, and we are the most vibrant, we are the most hitting on pistons, we have our moxie during our 20s and our 30s and our 40s, we go through our changes, and suddenly we're told, your hormones are gone. Isn't that a great thing? Mm -hmm. You can now go on with the rest of your life, and you're strong. You can deal with this. And your first thought is, well, wait a minute. If hormone was so good for me in my 20s and 30s and 40s, why is it so bad for me in my 50s, in my 60s, in my 70s? And if you really kind of take it to the next question your mind goes to is, I therefore may spend more years without hormone as I did with hormone. Wait a minute. Is that fair? 
is that even right? Did Mother Nature really intend us to have the best years of our life with hormone hitting on pistons, having our moxie and our 20s, 30s, 40s, and then, ha ha, it's a cruel joke. I'm taking it all away from you. Really? Well, let's take that little historical step back for a second. Back in 1912, the average lifespan of the American female was 48 and a half years old. We hit menopause and we died. There was no such thing as menopause, right? It would just, we didn't spend time without having periods. So what changed? Well, safe anesthesia changed. Hand washing, gee, that's as relevant today as it was back then. Okay, we got rid of and quelled a lot of infections and germs. But we also had the advent of antibiotics. Wow. So we didn't die from an appendicitis anymore. And safe anesthesia meant that could put us under, take out disease in our body, and we could recover and we could take an antibiotic and still recover even from a bad surgical thing. Then we had vaccines that helped us get rid of polio and some of the major infectious diseases out there. And then medicine got really, really smart and it started getting helping us with blocks in our heart vessels and high cholesterol and high blood pressure. And now we are not living to 48 and a half years old anymore. In a mere hundred years later, the average healthy lifespan for the American female is 80 years old. Mm-hmm. Well, if we go through menopause at 50 and we make it to 80, that's 30 years after we've had 38 years of hormone, 30 years without hormone? Wait a minute. And what I hear women all the time say to me is, Doc, I've lost my moxie. I am a shell of the person I used to be. What's wrong? So well, before, me- you, before you go into that next point, I just want to um, kind of reiterate a couple things that you said and then also uh, have you tell people, you know, what kind of doctor you are and all of that. But um, I want want everyone to be clear on, on just a couple points, because uh, some of you have heard maybe some of these uh, comments before related to the age and the expectancy, but this is really true today that, you know, obviously everyone, men and women, are living longer uh, than they, they did in the past. And uh, what Dr. Victoria was saying is that a lot of it has to do with some of the new uh, discoveries and, and medication and things like that that we have, and, and just people trying to be more healthy in general, but for women, Women, we're talking about our our hormones, our hormones, and so when you when you think about that, the number of years. So obviously, you know, you're a child, and then you get to the stage of where you you have your cycle, and then the things start from that period. So when she said 38 years, I just wanted to make sure that you understood what she was saying from that period to when you have where you're about 50 or so. And things happen related to menopause. So I just wanted to kind of just put some emphasis on that. And before you go into your next point, uh, can you just introduce, you know, basically anything about yourself related to uh, what you do overall? Oh, sure. And I'm sorry. I kind of just got so excited about no, telling you. It's fine. You. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> um, I am an OBGYN by training, by medical school training and residency. I spent 16 years being one of the busiest obstetricians, gynecologists in my group. Mm -hmm. And one day I literally came into the office and my hormones were in my forties doing the wild swings that can happen. And it was manifesting in my face skin. I have rosacea. And my skin literally exploded into cystic acne, bright, bright, bright red, swollen, and my eyes were swollen shut. And I had to get up and go to surgery. I was the doc. I had to be doing my day. And I'm putting ice packs on my eyes and I'm prying my eyes open and looking at myself in the mirror and going, ah, I don't even know who this is. And 
it was on fire. I couldn't even get my hand close enough to my face to even touch it. And I somehow got through my day and I walked into my office manager's office and I said, I don't even understand what's going on here. And she crossed her arms and she said, Doc, if you don't know what's going on, how do you expect your patients to know what is going on with them? I said, I think it's my hormones, but I don't even know. She said, there's your challenge. Figure it out. So, okay. So I thought, okay, I have to know my hormone levels. So I literally was my own first guinea pig. And I checked my own levels, sought out a dermatology um, esthetician to help me with the immediate skin issue, calm my skin down, please. And what I discovered as I went through my hormone journey is that my hormone levels were doing a swing that is typical for all women in their 40s, and my skin was how it showed. It was crazy. So it, And so I had actually had the same thing happen to me in my adolescent teenage years, where from puberty, age 12 to 20, those adolescent years were not kind to my skin either. But of course, I didn't know what else to do. So dermatology at that point in time used to actually tell me to go under a sun lamp, which would just dry my skin and flake it out. And then I was being injected in my face with steroid that they would then let sit for 24 hours and lance. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh, it was horrible. And there was no way I was going to go back to something like that. So I thought this is hormone, figure it out. You're the OBGYN. And at the same time, all of this was going on. The research that was going on in women's health in this country was the women's health initiative. Okay. So I realized that this is going to sound a little researchy and I'll I'll make it as, as succinct as I can. But what the premise of that research was is that women who are menopausal, who take hormone, the premise was that you will have a decrease in the top three leading morbidities and mortalities for women at that time, heart disease, stroke, and breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So that started in 1995. At the same time, the Europeans said, well, we want in on this too. So the Europeans started their 10-year study. The Americans started their 10-year study. My skin exploded in 2002, which was the same year that Women's Health Initiative exploded. Now, let me go back and tell you what I mean by that. The the Women's Health Initiative looked at, again, breast cancer, heart attack, and stroke. Mm -hmm. They wanted a 10-year study to say that hormone improved all three. So seven years into the 10 years, which happened to be 2002, they took a peek at the research findings so far, and behind closed doors, they were not happy with what they saw. So the press is waiting at the door going, huh, wonder what they're going to say, wonder what they're going to say, and the docs aren't coming out and saying anything. So all they can hear is things are not going the way we wanted them to go. So the press, bless their heart, said with their bullhorns out, women get off your hormone. Now, that started this entire, I'll say, movement of women basically saying, well, if hormone is bad for me, and the docs are going, well, hormone is bad for you, so get off of it. And I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Europeans, who were also doing that research, said, we aren't seeing that. Now, I knew that because I'm an OBGYN and I'm watching American literature and I'm watching European literature. Right. I'm seeing this discrepancy. So the Europeans finished the 10-year study and 
because they had smaller numbers, they only, fought, they only did breast cancer, but they saw no increase in breast cancer. Whereas WHI said there was an increase. So what's going on? Well, then the uh, Europeans did the heart attack and the stroke 10-year study. And instead of an increase, guess what? The Europeans found a decrease in both. The exact opposite of what the American Women's Health Initiative showed. Well, there's a head scratcher, right? What's the difference? Well, the difference is that the American study looked at synthetic progesterone and horse-based estrogen. Ooh, really? The Europeans looked at human-based estrogen and human-based progesterone. Mm-hmm. And that was what I was thinking while you were saying all of that, that, you know, there, there's obviously all these different types and uh, I take hormone, hormone therapy as well and, and have thyroid issues. And so is it synthetic that you use? Is it natural that you use? And then even so, what's, what's in it? So that's part of it is being educated on, on what, you, what you're doing and what you're taking. Right. But then what happened is that the American press saying women get off your hormone, they didn't say get off the synthetic horse-based. Right. They just said get off your hormone. So fast forward to today, unfortunately, the gold standard research in this country is still considered the Women's Health Initiative. Mm. Even though another research group of docs in this country and the European docs have all shown that the human-based estradiol and the human-based progesterone show a 32% decrease in heart disease and a 39% decrease in all mortality, even cancer. What? That's a secret. We're not supposed to tell anybody that. Why should that be a secret? Why is putting human-based hormone back into us really supposed to be something we're not supposed to know? Do you know Western medicine doesn't even teach that research in medical schools, you won't. Well, whenever there's anything that's not related to the synthetic or what, you know, what the pharmaceutical companies put out, a lot of times that gets suppressed. So, I mean, that's, that, that's a well-known fact as well. Right. But guess what? Estradiol and progesterone, both human-based, are pharmaceutical. Mm. Now, you can also do compounded. Sometimes that is better for people based upon their individual circumstances. But medicine is making this grand dismissal of women's health and saying, we're just not going to go there. When Europe, who laughs at us, frankly, is saying, women, you can be on hormone. It's just about balancing your levels and balance your female levels, your estrogen, progesterone, to be progesterone dominant. That's the safest for your breast health, safest for your pelvis, your ovaries, your, your uterus. Mm-hmm. And also balance that you're more female than male. And everybody goes, oh, come on, doc, really? Of course you're female. Well, the chemical picture of women who become menopausal and their ovaries stop working is that their chemical picture is they become male. <gasps> what? Is that looking at their, the testosterone levels as well? Right. So testosterone levels, it's like the, the male hormones literally take over for the female. Think of a teeter totter. Mm-hmm. The female goes down and the male goes up. So we literally chemically become male. Oh, wrong. 
wrong, which is why women gain weight in their middle, right where guys gain it, which is why we get very emotional. We actually start thinning, losing our hair. These are all more male-like traits. Mm -hmm. And when we drop our estradiol, we get hot flashes, we get sweats, we get poor sleep, short-term memory loss, our bladders drop, our muscles get achy, our joints ache. We just, oh, our libido heads down to Mexico because it goes, well, you're on vacation, so am I. Um, And when our progesterone goes out of sight and drops, we no longer have calmness in our brain. So it's like PTSD. Mm-hmm. And we become very anxious. We become very um, anxiety and depressed. Uh, mm-hmm. Our GI tract, which relies on progesterone, gets very sluggish and slow and we get bloated. You eat three bites and you just can't put anything else in because you're bloated. You're full. Yeah. I, I just really... Uh always try to encourage women, you know, related to uh, just getting a full blood work panel, but it's not necessarily where you can just say that you want to go and have blood work done to see where all your your levels are, because sometimes the doctors test some things and not other things. So having uh, shows like this and information like this, you can actually have where you suggest uh, what they should ask for, because some of these are considered additional tests not ones that are on the original panel. So is there anything that you can um, share with our guests related to that? Because I know I've actually had to do that because I have a a regular doctor and then I have my naturopath doctor and uh, exactly what you said is all of what I've been, I'm I'm 55. Okay. So I've been going through, through a lot of this, you know, for a number of years. And so, uh, and, and some of it is where I've had to ask for specific tests. So progesterone, estrogen, and you talked about, you know, just hormones in general. Um, and I think I said testosterone, is there anything that you can share with the audience related to specific tests other than a general blood test panel? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I'm going to hold up the book, Full Bloom. This mm-hmm. is my women's guide to perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, and beyond. And I have an adolescent book as well. But in both books, at the end of the book, there's a chapter that's called How to Talk to Your Doctor. And in that chapter, I list for you the blood tests that you ask for. And you can actually take the book with you. You can even tear the page out and take it to your doctor and go, I want all of these, check, 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 check. So That's awesome. it is because you're exactly right, Crystal. It's not just that I want my hormones checked. They're gonna look at you and like you're from Mars and go, what hormones? So you have to go in ready to tell them I want, and that's going to be in this book. Okay. So, but the next kind of the, not just your female hormones, realize that when we talk hormones, not only are you balancing your female male, so your female is your estradiol, your progesterone, your male is not just testosterone. It's the total and then it's the free. So those four tests are what yeah. you absolutely must have, okay? But that is only the first leg of the four legs of your hormone chair. Oh, because you've got to balance your body's hormonal health. So mm-hmm. our female male is only one leg of that chair. So I also talk about the other three hormone groups to check in that chapter. Okay. And uh, that's, that's completely awesome because that's, like I said, one of the things that I, I talk to people about whenever we're talking about my health and some of the things that I've gone through and, and what to ask their doctors. Now, understanding <clears throat> what to get tested, but also understanding what levels they should be at. And, you know, based on your age or based on your weight or whatever, you know, there's a range or sometimes there's an actual number as a minimum or a maximum. So does your book have that? Absolutely. And in fact, the 
the, the really, really cool thing is to understand, and you said it perfectly, is age appropriate. That's huge, okay? And right. that's even more important for the perimenopausal woman, for the adolescent woman, for the woman even going through infertility issues in her 20s and 30s, which I haven't written that book yet, but that one's coming. Um, but when you are menopausal, and you say, well, my ovaries quit working. How do I know what is age appropriate? Then we say, what is organ appropriate? In other words, what levels of estradiol do you need to keep your organs healthy? In other words, how do I keep my bones from losing mass? How do I keep the proper balance so I don't hyperstimulate my breast? or I don't stimulate the fibroids that were in my uterus or build a cyst in my ovary, how do I make sure that I do this right? Because I don't want to do hormone at the expense of causing problems elsewhere. So you're exactly right. And the age appropriate levels for a menopausal woman are the same levels, whether you're 55, 65, 70, 80, wait a minute, you can take hormone when you're 80? Yes, you can. You deserve your moxie at 82. <laughs> so it's all about knowing your body, knowing your levels, knowing that your hormone levels are part of interacting with how the other organs in your body need to work. So let me explain that concept for a second. Okay. I mentioned the four legs of a hormone chair. Correct. Okay. Right. So one leg is your female male hormones. Okay. You have it yourself. The second leg, your thyroid. Okay. Mm -hmm. So your thyroid is not just your metabolism, the speed at which your body works. It's also whether or not your immune system might attack it. And whether or not there's autoimmune thyroid that right. goes on, okay? Right. And that gets hyper-stimulated when your estradiol goes down with menopause. But mm -hmm. guess what? Nobody ever tells you that. So autoimmune thyroid disease takes an exponential tick upwards simply because our estradiol levels plummet. So you mean it could be better managed simply by knowing that those two are talking to each other? Yes. So that's the second leg of your hormone chair okay. is your thyroid panel, your TSH, right. free T3, free T4, and both thyroid antibodies. So five tests make up your thyroid. Yeah. And in a general doctor's uh, test, a general panel, they don't do all five. Right. They don't so do all five. so that's why you have to know what to ask. Right. Right. And again, that's in the book, in that chapter, how to talk to your doctor. Okay. So that's two legs now. Okay. okay. The third leg is your adrenal. That's right. your fight or flight. That's your stress. Well, golly, who's got stress these days, right? Well, we all do. Whether it's physical stress, emotional stress, work stress, you're out of your job, where's your finances coming from? We all have stress in our day and it all acts the same way to our body. It's stress. So our adrenals need to be calmed and need to be supported. And that is your AM, meaning morning, AM versus PM, cortisol. Mm -hmm. So your cortisol needs to be in, in best balance because if it's too high, you are actually also going to stress your immune system to go into overdrive. Right. And if, if it's too low, you go into adrenal fatigue. And I've seen women where they cannot remember what day of the week it is. They cannot remember what year it is. They think it's April when it's August and they are completely unable to function. Mm -hmm. And getting your mind to sync back with the rest of you, it's almost like an escape mechanism. 
your adrenals say, we're so stressed, we're heading to Mexico on vacation. So knowing where your cortisol levels are and not just what the lab says is your normal, what is your optimal? Optimal is best. We've all seen the commercial. Have you worked with Dr. So-and-so? Yeah, he's okay. (gasps) What do you mean he's okay? You want the best of the best. You want optimal. This is you now we're talking about. So again, your cortisol, which is supported by your B vitamins and not just any B vitamins, your methyl, M-E-T-H-Y-L, your methyl B vitamins. That's the key. Methylation in your body clears inflammation. Who knew? Mm -hmm. Only docs who deal with it, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's the third very important leg of your chair. So your female male hormones, your thyroid, your cortisol. What is that fourth last important leg? Your blood sugar and your insulin. Know that your blood sugar, if it is even just a little bit high, is causing significant inflammation in your body. Sugar is the other white powder. I'm being a little facetious with that, but sugar is... Well, it's, it's worse. <laughs> it's worse, right. Because it's more we, addictive. It's more right. addictive, so it's worse. It and because medicine waits until your numbers get really high before it will even act, that's number one. Number two, it won't even recognize what the power of insulin can do for you, your own body's insulin, and where your insulin levels should be in Mm -hmm. order to have you have best health of your sugar balance in your body. Medicine doesn't even check your insulin level, yet it's one of the four main legs of your hormone chair. Mm -hmm. Now, think about the fact that if you sit on that hormone chair, and even one of those four groups is off. What happens when you sit on a chair where there's a bad light? You got it. <laughs> You're on the floor going, how did I get here? Right, right. So instead of sitting gingerly on a three-legged chair because one leg is bad, then get the other leg fixed. But know where all four are. Now, medicine will always also say, is the fifth hormone vitamin D also a very important one to check? Mm-hmm. So vitamin D, and so you, you check that one off my list. So, so thank you for just sliding that one in real quick. Uh, one of the other ones uh, I want you to speak on uh, is the um, iodine. And iodine is part of supporting your thyroid. So okay. it's... When we talk about a thyroid panel, iodine is going to mostly impact your free T4. Now, when we talk a thyroid panel, I'll get a little scientific for a minute. Your TSH, what your doctor will normally only check, is really coming from your pituitary up here. Mm -hmm. That's what turns on to tell your body puberty, okay, Mm -hmm. and turns off to say menopause. But that's just in the female hormones. It also tells your thyroid to go to work. And when your thyroid is working efficiently, this conversation is a very nice, even-keeled conversation. When your thyroid goes, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not listening to you. I'm turning up the stereo. What did you say? Just like your kids, you know. So then your TSH has to yell louder and harder to get your thyroid to pay attention. So that's when your TSH goes up. So if your TSH is screaming at your thyroid and your thyroid doesn't want to work, that's when we look at thyroid medication. So your gland, the thyroid gland in your neck is actually going to best function on the T4. And the free T4 is what makes the gland work. Free T4 is like a factory then, and it makes free T3 to go out to the rest of your body, your muscles, your joints. So if you have enough supply to your factory, 
your free T4 can then convert to make free T3. That's what comes off the assembly line at the end of the factory line to go out to your body. Okay. So what helps you make free T4? Iodine. <gasps> Iodine. There you go. So for those of us in the Midwest who have landlocked water supply, we have fresh water. We have great water, but there's no iodine that is naturally in our source of water. Okay. The coasts, East Coast, West Coast, anything that has proximity to an ocean, salt water, you have iodine in your rain. Your rain falls on your crops. You get iodine in your environment. Yes, we can eat seafood that is wild caught, not farm grown, because wild caught is coming from the ocean. You are getting, therefore, iodine. But there are people who have iodine allergies or seafood allergies, and they cannot use that as a source of iodine. Believe it or not, that is why Morton for Morton's salt was asked back in the day to put iodine into their salt. Right. That was a federal government thing to help people in the Midwest not build big fat thyroid goiters because right. we were the goiter capital of the world. We had right. no access to iodine. I'm from Flint, Michigan. And so I know exactly what you're talking about. Right, right. And our parents and our grandparents were given iodine pills back Mm -hmm. in the 30s in school. And they'd line you up and give you your iodine pill and you'd have to go to the water fountain or what we call the bubbler. And so at the end of the line of kids going through, they'd count how many iodine pills the kids had spit out and (laughs) so they know who was taking their iodine who wasn't but that was something that was also a federal mandate that it was given to kids to take at school so 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 i want to get your your um thoughts on this related to there's there's a few different things um because you know women's health is just it's, it's so key because there's so many people that go through ups and downs for various reasons, not just related to menopause, but when things are just off kilter, like you said, you're, you don't even have the four, the four legs there and, and one's missing. So, uh, and that could be for various reasons. Some of it may be hereditary. Uh, and then right. some things can be obviously because of your diet and, and exercise or lack thereof. And so um, I wanted to speak, uh, have you speak to two things. One is related to um, antibiotics uh, and how how that affects uh, what's going on with all of what you're doing hormonally because um, there's documentaries and uh, obviously white papers and research related to the fact when you take antibiotics depending on what it is it it kills potentially the bacteria that it's supposed to kill plus it may kill other bacteria that's supposed to be good for your body and then that can also throw you off as well so um there's two two things i wanted to bring up but that was the first one can you speak about antibiotics in relation to the whole balance that we're talking about for for women that's such a huge field and thank you for bringing that up you're absolutely right antibiotics when you have a need for it and it's a targeted need absolutely take your antibiotic. But what antibiotics do is target that particular overgrowth of that particular bacteria at the expense of killing other things. What a lot of people don't understand is that our body is filled with healthy, balanced bacteria. And you think, oh, really? Well, your entire respiratory Mm -hmm. system, which is how COVID is getting into our bodies and causing havoc, but we have a balance of bacteria in our upper respiratory system, our sinuses, that has to balance to keep us healthy so we don't swell our sinus passages and cause them to block up. Then you get certain things that get out of balance and overgrow into a sinus congestion, a sinus infection, and then we need an antibiotic to help clear it and and get rid of it. But don't let it get to that point, okay? That balance that's in there is important. Um, But that drainage from your sinuses down the back of your throat, we also have a eustachian tube that if we block that, 
the bacteria that normally from our skin in our ear canal and then what can travel up that eustachian tube from our throat to our middle ear can cause and trigger ear infections. That, of course, now as an infection needs to be treated, but you've missed the reason why the infection is there, is you've blocked and clogged that eustachian tube. Mm -hmm. So by the time it even gets to your throat, there are many things that have could have gone awry, okay? So that's number one, is keeping the balance of what's going on there healthy. A lot of times it's just aerating and moisturizing your sinus passages and making sure a dry sinus passage isn't just going to shrivel, it's then going to swell. And if you swell dry sinuses, this is the point right here where things will block shut. And this is the pathway to get to these sinuses and to get to these sinuses. So you do that enough and you will cause a permanent decreased passageway that then it takes less to cause a problem up here mm -hmm. or here. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. now you're a chronic sinus person, okay? And really- Because of antibiotics? No, because you've allowed that, that, that swelling, that overgrowth okay. of something, sometimes caused by too much antibiotic, sometimes because you've allowed something to happen that you've let the balance get out of balance too much. So mm -hmm. people will say, well, can I just put saline and moisturize? Sure, you can. Can I steam my sinuses? Sure, you can. Can I put sovereign silver? Silver, colloidal silver is another thing you will hear, which is a homeopathic natural way to be antimicrobial and allow the body to rebalance all by itself. Let me grab that very quickly. This is called colloidal silver or a sovereign silver, which can be used in a neti pot to get up into your sinus passages. It is something that can also be sprayed in your mouth or spritzed up into your sinuses and nose. And what it does is it allows your body to figure out its best balance all by itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's just the respiratory system. The mouth has its own set of bacteria that allow us to keep an acid-base balance as we initially start to process our food. But from our mouth, it gets down our esophagus and hits our GI tract. And our GI tract, our abdomen, our 10 feet of small right. intestine to large intestine houses the largest amount of our immune system of anywhere in our body. And the balance of bacteria in our GI tract is very finely tuned to allow and work with the acid base balance that's in our GI tract to help us best absorb and process our food. So if we get that out of balance, either from the acid base or from the bacterial standpoint, we've got either GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease, or if GERD goes on long enough, we will scar our upper stomach and pull it up into our chest. And now we have a hiatal hernia. Oh dear, that sounds really bad. But that's all, you know, that's all what we've caused ourselves to our body. Mm -hmm. But if it goes further down our GI tract and we're again out of balance, now it's irritable bowel, or it may even develop into a Crohn's which can also have an autoimmune, there's that word again, where our immune system attacks an autoimmune issue. And when we get into our colon, where it's supposed to be just our waste product ready to get dumped out with a bowel movement, if we don't have the proper balance of what gets in there, we may actually flare diverticular disease. We then expose our colon to a bad mixture of bacteria and pH imbalance, mm -hmm. which is going to cause overgrowth or polyps in our colon, which can then lead to bad polyps, which can then lead to colon cancer. Yeah, so there's so much, you know, that can happen, you know, with the, the, the cause and effect and the chain reactions of everything. If, if we don't just 
already just try to do the best we can for our whole life, uh, trying to be healthy and, and eating healthy and doing what we need to do really to exercise and not uh, snorting up the sugar, you know, uh, all of the different things that, that people just commonly do. So what I want to do uh, after we just take this little break is uh, the last segment of the show, I want to really have you focus on the things that we can do, you know, just in layman's terms related to balancing our life more and uh, aging gracefully by doing X, Y, Z, because I want to have where we have something for the people who maybe are even, you know, 20, 30, 40, so that it can be that you're already starting to do the things that you may be recommending uh, so that we can, when we get 50, 60, 70, we don't have some of the, the issues and the problems that you just mentioned. So we'll be right back after this little break. All right. So um, on uh, Voice America, we just do that so we can make sure that they know where the break is going to be. And, uh, and I'll just mark down that time. So welcome back, everyone, to our show. We are in the last segment uh, with Dr. Victoria, having just an awesome, awesome, detailed and thorough conversation about women and about our lives. And, you know, not just women. I mean, men go through some of these things that we're talking about as well, but uh, related to women and balance and our hormones. So for this portion, uh, Dr. Victoria, if you could just give us some just happy highlights of if you're 20, 30, and 40, like what should you do to prepare for your 50s, 60s, and 70s? Well, and thank you for that. You're absolutely right. What happens in our 20s is then going to show up either magnified or it you put it in the closet and all of a sudden you open the closet when you're 50 and it's still there. Okay. But now it's festered a little bit and you go, Ooh, and you can't now close the closet. Right. Right. So, so some of those issues when you're in your twenties and thirties are things like endometriosis or they, you hear from your doctor, you have fibroids and well, when it gets bad enough, we'll just, you tell me and we'll just take it out. Whoa, wait a minute. No, 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 no. I need to know and everybody needs to know you have control. You have all of the means within you to balance your hormones. They may need a little help. You may have some genetic issue like polycystic ovary. That's something that your genes throw at you where you make more male hormone. But for those of us that may be blessed with heavy periods or really crampy periods, don't just think I'll take an ibuprofen and suck it up because you need to address it then. Putting a a fix on the problem when it just starts means you hear in your car that little rattle, don't let it become something that falls off the car before you let the mechanic fix it. Because now right. the so what should they do at, at age 20, 30, 40? Go to your doctor with the same book and say, I want my hormone levels checked. Okay. And when you're having your cycles, the really, really, really important thing to know is that When is the best time to get your hormone levels checked? And really, it's that week before you expect to have your cycle. And you say, well, my cycle's all over the place. I bleed for a week before. I have a heavy period. I bleed for a couple days after. What do I call day 21? And honestly, day 21 in a typical 28-day cycle will be something that's, again, in the book, but I'll just show you the graph, is that it is this time when you make the most of your dashed line, the progesterone, and the most of the solid line, your estradiol. So knowing there's a good time and a less good time of your cycle to get your blood work done, get it all done on day 21. If you're not sure ask your doctor, they'll help you figure it out. Because <laughs> so it's, it's the time of, it's the time that you do it, but is there also a time of day? Should you have the blood work done in the morning versus the evening? Should you not eat? Should you, cause some of them have where you, you don't eat before, but some of them say it doesn't matter, but it doesn't matter. Well, in that four legged hormone, you still have a hormone chair, your blood sugar, you want fasting, your insulin, you want fasting. So absolutely. <laughs> Your cortisol 
and your testosterones are best before nine in the morning if you're a first shifter. If you are not a first shifter and you're a third shifter or a second shifter, your sleep cycles are different. So it needs to be about three to four hours after you arise for your day. So if you're a third shifter and you're getting up at nine o'clock at night for an 11 p.m. shift, then you're best drawn at one in the morning or midnight. So that works if you can actually work in a setting where you can say, I need to get my blood work drawn and this is what I need to have happen. And I'm going to be late to work, but who's open except for a 24 hour draw station. You may have to work something like that out with your doctor's office. Um, Mm -hmm. But a second shifter, a first shifter, regardless of it's that three to four hours after you get up for your day. So But yes, it does depend time of day. It will have an impact on what those readings will be. You're absolutely right. Okay. Okay. Sometimes they give a direction on that and sometimes they don't. And so just for people to have knowledge of of what would be best, the same as as your graph, I think that's great. So um, can you give people... Uh, your information so that it's listed and we'll, and we'll send the information out as well, but how can they get in contact with you? How can they get your book? Well, again, I'm going to show you both books. This is the adolescent book blossoming and blossoming is all about the adolescent female and the swings that they go through because they do the same things that women in their forties go through. We just ignore them and send them to their room as drama queens because get over it, right? I got through it. You can get through it. So we don't have any other resource for them. So what do our adolescents do? They go to Google. So that's why I wrote Blossoming. And it is meant as a mother-daughter guide because now we're allowing mom to come into this process and be a partner and a hero for her daughter and to Mm -hmm. help, okay? And Full Bloom, which is the perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, and beyond. Both of these books have this section about how to talk to your doctor, how to ask for the right blood tests, but they are both on Amazon, on both print version and Kindle. So Amazon will have it. Also, I am here to say that Anyone who asks their doctor, let's say you do everything right, you've got the book, you take the book into your doctor, and you're, this is what I want you to draw for me, and your doc goes, nope, won't do it, insurance won't cover it, blah, blah, blah. Then I'm going to empower everyone listening to know they can contact my office, and I will make certain that it gets done for you. I know the codes to use. I can send you the lab slip where you can get it drawn in your community and it will be covered by your insurance. The results will come to me and I'll go over it with you. That is my promise. And I empower everyone listening to know you have the ability. If your doctor won't do it, I will. Wow. Wow. Well, we will be sharing your information. That is just an awesome, awesome offer. Uh, There's a lot of women out there that don't have this information or don't even think about this, especially when you're younger and you think you're just going to live forever, right? And you can just do whatever you want, eat whatever you want. And it looks like uh, you're not putting on weight. It looks like nothing's happening, but there's things happening inside your body, you know, depending on how you treat yourself when you're those ages. So thank you. <laughs> excuse me. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, one of the things I want to do uh, before we close, uh, I want to get your comments on a few things. And so uh, mm-hmm. one thing I do sometimes from time to time with the uh, people that are on this show, it's a thing called quick fire. So I'll say one word. And then you'll just give a one word response back and then we'll have a conversation about a a few of your answers. And sometimes it comes out to be pretty interesting uh, what people come up with based on what I ask. But are you up for it? Sure. Okay. All right. So just the quickest thing that you think of as soon as I say the one word, it's just one word back. Okay. The first word is hormone. 
hot flash. It's really two words, but hot flash. It's okay. Uh, blood work. Hormones. Women. Help. Blossom. Lively or alive. Lively. Okay. And the next one is life. Women. We are life. Well, that's, it's just one word. <laughs> I know, but life. Mm -hmm. We are life. Okay. Age. Ageless. Balance. Ideal. Flowers. Peaceful. Okay. And all of these are all based on our conversation. Doctor. Healer. Knowledge. Empowerment. Emotions. Complex. Complex. And the very last one is mindset. Positive. Positive. Excellent. So in this show, we talk a lot about mindset, whether it's the financials that we do, the millionaire, billionaire mindset and the healthy person's mindset and leadership mindset. And so here we're talking about how you can have a mind that is focused around your health, around balance and a mind that uh, is utilizing all of this knowledge and information for us to do better in our lives as women. And so um, for a few of the ones, let's see, you said Blossom is lively and that's on your 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 adolescent book versus the, the other one is full bloom for the women's women's book. So that was interesting. And hormones. Yes. Hot flash. Definitely. Definitely. And so for doctor, you said healer, you want to expound on that? What most people think of as a doctor is somebody who should have the ability to help, to have the wisdom, to have um, the answer to every question that you may have. And many times the system of Western medicine has taken that role away from the doctor. And let me explain what I mean by that, is that in the days when the physician ran their practice and they were independent, then the physician was the healer. It was you come to me with your questions, with your issues, and I have time to give you to find out the answer to your question. I may have seen this before. I've trained in this. I know what to do. You know, here is what I can do to help. In today's Western marketplace, what has happened is that hospital systems have employed more and more physicians. So the physician is not the one in control of his time with the patient anymore. Yeah. The system, the boss, dictates you have, and I'm going to, this is a real example I'm going to give you, okay, is you, doctor, have two minutes with each patient. When you walk in, so let's just use an example. You walk in to see your doctor, and you walk in with cramps, You've got bad cramps, okay? Well, the first person you see is the intake nurse or MA. They get your vitals. They, you say cramps. Then you get put into a room where you may or may not wait 10, 15, 30, whatever minutes for your doctor to finally walk into the room. But when he walks in, his time clock starts and he is given two minutes. And he'll say to you with his computer in his arms, or he'll walk in the computers on the desk, what can I do for you? Why are you here? And he's not even looking at you. He's engaging his computer screen, and he's typing on his computer screen while you're trying to establish why you're here across to him, but he's not even looking at you. So you're saying, I've got these killer cramps that I get with my period, and I get clots and I just, I, I'm taking ibuprofen and I just, and he'll go, oh, okay. So you've got cramps. Okay. He gets up and the nurse practitioner walks in and then she takes over, or maybe she's already been in the room, but he passes off to the nurse practitioner cramps. This is what I would do for it. Finish it up. Now you think I'm making this up, 
I'm not. Okay. So your what you say in the first 30 seconds is why you're there. Now, imagine that you on his way out of the room want to say, but doc, I also get this, these killer migraines. I'm sorry, that's another appointment. What? What? Wait a minute, but they go with my cramps. No, I'm really sorry. That's another appointment. You're going to have to make another appointment for that one. Mm-hmm. So, A, you haven't really gotten out your whole story. B, the doctors walked out on you and passed off only part of the information you want to get across. And C, when the nurse practitioner comes in, her experience with patients having cramps may be pretty experienced, but it's not at the knowledge level that a doctor has. That's not good, bad, or indifferent. That's just the system, okay? So now the nurse says, hmm, or the nurse practitioner, cramps, cramps, cramps. Well, that could mean that we have to do, maybe it's fibroids. (gasps) Maybe it's you know, polyps. Oh, well, you know, the best way to find that, you know, oh, I'm sorry, Crystal, we're going to have to do a pelvic ultrasound and maybe even a pelvic CT. We can get that set up for you. Well, all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, ka-ching, ka-ching. Right. Where the doctor who now is thinking, hmm, cramps, well, it could be fibroids, you know, let me do an exam. And if your uterus is irregular, now we know it's fibroids, but now we can deal with how do we manage fibroids and let's at least see where your levels are hormonally. Or in other words, there's going to be a less knee-jerk reaction to the expensive testing because the nurse practitioner is going to be judged on what the outcome of your encounter is and Mm -hmm. she is therefore has a quota just like the doctor does of how many MRIs did you order how many CTs did you order how many ultrasounds did you order oh you didn't do enough this month well your pay gets docked it you think I'm making that up but I'm not so I I believe that I believe that so your health care is no longer really being taken care of by the physician. It's being passed off to a mid-level who now has a quota system to fill. And it's not about you anymore. It's about, did the hospital make enough money that month? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, all of that would be actually a whole nother show. That we you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's something that people just need to think about and, you know, how you talk to your doctor. And I know you have that in your book, but that could actually be, I'm sure there's other books out there like that too, but how you talk to your doctor is so, so key. And I've had some really great doctors. Um, I sometimes go with a list and I make them look me eyeball to eyeball, but I didn't have, have to do that too often because they already knew, you know, after my first few visits that they were going to have to sit down and talk to me eyeball to eyeball. So you need to have where you can have that kind of relationship with your doctor where they do listen. But Dr. Victoria stated, and I'll restate it uh, as we get ready to close that uh, based on the panel that we're saying that you need to get, it's not just a general panel when you go um, to get your hormones checked. So you need to get her book Uh, full bloom. And uh, I will be putting the information in Facebook. I'll be putting it. uh, The information is already on um, Soaring with Eagles on Voice America. Get that information so that you can see what you need to have done. And then if your doctor does not want to do that, Dr. Victoria said that she would order the testing for you. She would order the testing for you and do a consultation of your results because it's not just getting the test and you need to know what the maximum minimums are and then what that means as far as what your next steps would be. So um, I really appreciate you being on today and in 30 seconds, Dr. Victoria, 30 seconds or less, what are your final comments for our audience today? 30 seconds. <laughs> Take charge of your health, enjoy where you are and soar. Let your moxie get back, be who you need to be. That was awesome. (laughs) 
<laughs> like 30 seconds, doctor. No. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. It was very, very power packed and I'll be listening to it again. Uh, and I'll be making sure that uh, we get this information out for as many people as possible. Um, if you're not a female, you probably have a mother uh, and sisters and aunts and other people that could benefit from this. So please, please, please share this show. Thank you, Dr. Victoria. You are so welcome. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you for tuning in to Soaring with Eagles. Please join Crystal Richardson again on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another edition. Let's soar together, give back to our communities, and change the world.